Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On today's pod I had on Jordan's Goose, Jordan came on to discuss the end-of-the-year awards for the NBA and more specifically for the Toronto Raptors. Which Raptors have a chance to gain the awards? Me and Jordan run through all the awards, but really focus on that Toronto Raptors have a chance to win. So we focused a lot on the most improved race, the coach of the year race as the all NBA teams. And if Kawhi Leonard has a chance to make, well, he'll definitely make one all NBA team, but it just depends on whether he makes the first team, second team, or possibly even the third team. So we get into that and much more on this pod. Then we kind of discuss the Toronto Raptors recent struggles because they haven't been playing their best basketball over the past few games. And we kind of just break down the cause of that and different solutions for that once playoff time comes. Overall, I thought it was a really great pod. Me and Jordan had a great time talking Raptors, so I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Mike. How you doing, man? I am good. Um, I brought you on here to talk about the Odell Beckham trade for the Cleveland Browns. Or... No, that's right not on. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I think it's a great trade for the Browns. <laughs> uh, no, we came on to talk about the Raptors' chances at the different end-of-year awards and you know where they stand currently. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. Um, we'll start, I guess, with the awards at are, we'll say, long shots at this time. So I will ask you, Jordan, do you think that there's any chance that the Raptors have an MVP candidate? Um, I mean, I think Kawhi Leonard is up there. Uh, I don't think he's going to win it uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, mainly because I think there are players more deserving, uh, and also you have the whole load management uh, controversy, So, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, so to answer your question, I do believe the Raptors have a candidate uh, in Kawhi, but uh, I don't. Uh, I don't see him winning the award. Right. Um, I think he might maybe get on to the back end of a ballot or two. Yeah. I don't. I don't expect him really to get, even get significant votes, and I'm okay with that. To me, uh, the MVP is a regular season award. It's about how much value you produce in the regular season. And while I think it's very smart that the Raptors aren't playing Kawhi 82 games. It does limit the impact he has on the season at large. So I understand what the Raptors are doing that does kind of, I think, fairly exclude him from the award. Yeah, I would agree. Um, who is your MVP? I guess we'll just quickly run through that. Oh, you know, I, oh man. Um, I, two names that immediately come to mind are James Harden, 
who, as you know, based on our discussions in the past, it like it. I cringe when I say that, but I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Harden and then Giannis. Gian, th- those two would be my uh, would be my picks right now. Yeah, I, I flop back and forth depending on the day of who I think deserves the award. Harden, I understand all the complaints about the officiating and his game. I don't think is as certainly not as fun to watch as Giannis, and isn't that fun in general to me. However, the efficiency is hard to argue with, and when you consider that the Raptors didn't have Chris Paul for a large segment of the season, didn't have Clint Capello for a large percentage of the season, and still are ending up uh, with a three-seed in the Western Conference, it's pretty remarkable what they've done this season, and I still think that they're the biggest threat in the Western Conference to beat the Golden State Warriors, and just have really been impressed with what they've done this season. I I would agree on all accounts with you. It was was actually funny. I was thinking back uh, yesterday, um, and, you know, to think that the Houston Rockets began the season with Carmelo Anthony on their team. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I I, I honestly forgot about that. And then I was just just going through, and I remembered. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, they were the ones who took a chance on Melo. We all know how that turned out. And, you know, obviously uh, with Harden doing a lot of the heavy lifting uh, because of the injuries you mentioned earlier, uh, I mean, he's been he's been absolutely remarkable. Uh, I, I, I have to say that, you know, even though I'm uh, like I said, as you know, I'm uh, I, I do have issues with certain parts of his game. Uh, there's no denying he's not uh, he's not playing out of his mind right now and has been all season. So Malachi Richardson doesn't make your MVP ballot, just to be clear. Ah, uh, yeah, he's he's a fringe guy, but uh, yeah, I don't think he breaks through. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, next up, an award that I do not have any Raptors nominated for. That is Defensive Player of the Year. Jordan, do you have any Raptors nominated for DPOY? I I do not. Once again, the only guy who uh, who I'd be uh, well, actually, so. Backing up a little bit, I mean, obviously Kawhi has been in that discussion in the past. Um, he, he's he's probably not going to be this year for the same reasons we kind of talked about earlier with with his uh, candidacy for MVP. The one person who won't get who who won't get um, votes, uh, but I think should, is Kyle Lowry. I mean, that guy draws more charges than anybody in the league. Uh, does it uh, every night. Um, and I think that, I mean, you know, drawing charges is a big part of playing defense. So um, while I don't think he'll, he'll win the award, I think he deserves more consideration than uh, than he'll wind up getting. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but uh, he would be kind of my, uh, my dark horse candidate for that uh, award. So I don't think we have any players in the defensive player of the year. I do think that the Raptors have a chance for a player to make an all- defensive team, but I don't think it's Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry kind of gets a benefit that Danny Green usually takes the more active guard, which yeah. which yeah. to me, I, I think that kind of excludes Kyle from doing it. And again, Kyle does impact the game defensively in many small ways. He's a really good rebounder for a point guard. He takes those charges, like you said, but just not having the burden of having to match up with the elite guard on night-in, night-out basis kind of lowers him for me. For me, the guy that deserves consideration for an all-defense team is Pascal Siakam. It's kind of been lost in his offensive improvement this year about just how good of a defender he is and how versatile of a defender he is. Mm-hmm. He can switch a lot of guys. He can cover most big men without a problem. Now, he can't really handle the brute centers. It's not like he's going to be handling Joel Embiid and down in the post. But he's extremely versatile, and when you talk about like a modern NBA power oh. forward, he's exactly what you want. 
Well, no, I was sorry. I was I was just reacting to where you were about to go. And, and I mean, he is he's nervous since he's, uh, you know, added the three ball and and just absolutely uh, improved uh, across all areas exponentially. He has developed into, you know, the 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 positionless basketball player, uh, so to speak. Um, the, the one thing I will say about Siakam is as good as he's been this year, uh, specifically defensively, I still think he has another gear he can get to. No. Um, and, and, I agree with and, that. And, and that's that's what I'm really looking forward to is is seeing, you know, people say, oh, you know, he can become a better defender and, you know, maybe next year. Like, never mind next year. I want him to become that better, that, that, that even better, more elite defender, um, you know, these playoffs. Uh, and I think if he does that, it, it'll make this team – uh, even harder to beat than uh, than I imagine they're going to be uh, come the postseason. No, that's a good point. And I mentioned him is we're not going to get into defensive team. We didn't mark that to kind of get into because it's not a huge award. But but I think he can make a second all defensive team. But you're right in the playoffs if he could kind of up that intensity even a little bit more, especially because the Raptors you know have so many other offensive options. It's not like he's asked to carry a huge load offensively. Now he does his fair share on that end, but it's, you know, he's not the only option on that side of the court. So I think that you can reasonably expect a little bit higher intensity in the playoffs. And as we talked about, he has a skill set to guard just about anyone. Well, and, and I mean, you know, he just, he, he, he's improved across all other areas, right? So, you, you know, we're, we're in a sense running out of, uh, running out of things to ask Siakam to improve on. Um, but I do think one of those one of those areas is uh, is defensively, and and once again, that's not to say he isn't a good defender today, but he has the ability to become a great defender, and he's got you know Kawhi Leonard to kind of learn from. You know, uh, I, I kind of say the same thing that I'm saying about Siakam uh, about OG is you know they've got a they've got a pretty good defensive role model in Kawhi. Uh, who they've been able to learn from this year, and you know, fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully, uh, for years to come. So let's get into the awards that I would say Raptors are serious contenders for. We may not have them either winning the award or even on our ballot, but I think the best way to phrase this is there's a discussion around their name in these awards. So the first would be Coach of the Year. Jordan is Nick Nurse on your Coach of the Year ballot. He is. Um, I think. I think Nurse has done an admirable, admirable job uh, this year, considering everything we know about the Raptors. Um, you know, with with the new additions, with how they ended last season uh, in the playoffs. You know, all the injuries he's had to deal with this year. Um, but all that said, I don't think he's he's going to wind up winning the award. Um, uh, you know, for those reasons, and also, and, and once again, this this might be kind of a, a, a BS thing to to or a BS reason, excuse me, uh, is they they gave it to Dwayne Casey last year, they gave it to a Raptors head coach last year, so I don't know if that factors in at all um, to their appetite to give it to uh, the Raptors for a second straight season. Um, in terms of who I think is going to get it. Uh, three names once again: uh, Budenholzer in Milwaukee, uh, Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn, and then Mike Malone in uh, Denver would be my three uh, kind of short list guys. I think Nurse is right there, but for the reasons I just listed, I don't think he walks away with it. But he's done a heck of a job in his first year. 
I think he's done a great job in his first year. That's an excellent point you brought up about Casey winning it last year. And honestly, I didn't consider that when putting my ballot together. But you're very right, either consciously or subconsciously. I do well, think there yeah. would be a hesitation there. I don't think it should factor in, but I I I, I think it will factor in. No, right? it, I mean it would have. T- I mean I think the only way Nurse uh, would have won Coach of the Year this year is if you know the Raptors went on to win sixty gear, you know, just ran away with the league, were first, uh, you know, in the regular season, and it was just like, yeah, we can't give it to anybody else. But I just think there's too many other guys, um, too many other coaches uh, that are going to. Um, uh, that are going to have a stronger claim on the award than Nurse will. I think last year, in many ways, the award was one of the more wide open I, I've seen as far as there's, you know, Casey won the award. He did a good job coaching the Raptors. I don't think he did this runaway job coaching the Raptors. I think that this year has been, you know, a higher degree of difficulty to win the award compared to most. Um, mm-hmm. My my ballot is I have Bud as a coach of the year. To me, he turned a Milwaukee team from the seventh seed to the number one seed in a runaway in the Eastern Conference, and maybe runaway is too strong of a word, but a convincing number one seed. It would be really hard to convince me. I mean, they also added Brooke Lopez, but it was, you know, Bud is the main driver of that team's improvement, and it would be really hard for anyone to win the award over him this season. I think. Totally. Well, I, and I mean, I don't have the uh, I don't have the the team stats up in front of me, but I mean, Milwaukee is. If they're not first, they're top three, maybe top two in you know net rating points oh, per game. I mean, he's they're first he's, by a lot, by a mile. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think they might actually be you know the the only team with uh, a double digit net rating, or it might be very close. It might have dropped under ten over the last few games. But at one point, I remember recently looking at the standings, and it just yeah, it wasn't it wasn't close. I mean, they've been head and shoulders um, uh, the best team this regular season. Uh, that being said, uh, Bucks Warriors, um, I probably know where I'm putting my putting my money on uh, come the come the postseason, just based on uh, based on reputation. But we won't get into that right now. Right? Yeah, I'm totally with you. I don't think the Bucks have a serious shot, along with many other teams, to pose a real threat to a full strength Warriors team if they do reach the finals. Just seeing what he's done this year to me has been really impressive. And you mentioned a lot of the same names that I have on my list. Uh, Kenny Atkinson's done a great job. Mike Malone, as you said, two people that I would add on is one doc rivers, um, earmuffs mm-hmm. Kawhi. You can't hear this, but he's done an impressive job with the Los Angeles Clippers, a team that basically no one knew if they were tanking, if they were trying to make the playoffs, what's going on. They got Patrick Beverly kind of talking crap to the Lakers and, them making the eight seed in a loaded Western Conference to me is really impressive, seeing as they have a bunch of guys who might not be there next season, who know they might be trade bait, and they just – this team was kind of supposed to move into the lottery and get ready for next year. Instead, they're ending up as an eight seed in the Western Conference playoffs. Yep. And the other person I would have is Nate McMillan. <laughs> you know, that's really funny because I was hoping – it wasn't David Goat because that's who I was going to throw it as my late candidate. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. He's done, he's done a phenomenal job with, with Indiana, especially considering the injury to Oladipo and how he's been able to uh, right the ship, uh, given that big uh, torpedo he would have rather not have to de- uh, have to have dealt with. Right, and, and they're falling off a little bit as of late, but 
that's just a product of having to run your offense through Wesley Matthews at the two guard and really not having that many options. I think yeah. Nate's done a great job, particularly defensively with that team. And we didn't mention Miles Turner, or we didn't really get into the defensive player of the year candidates at all. But Miles Turner is a candidate for defensive player of the year, and part of that is due to Nate McMillan's excellent coaching on that end. So he's been really helping Indiana stay afloat during this time and really deserves, I think, again, I think Bud is having a historic coaching season as far as Coach of the Year candidates go, but McMillan at least makes my ballot. Next is the most improved, the most improved player today. What would you say? I, I, I would say yes. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of inherent bias uh, given the team that I support, but I just think, I mean, when you look at everything, uh, it's I, I, uh, it's it's pretty pretty cut and dry to me. I mean, in terms of his two main co- competitors, I would say they're uh, uh, I always pronounce this guy's name wrong. Uh, Dayron Fox in Sacramento, and then Russ, uh, D'Angelo Russell in Brooklyn. I think both of those guys have had phenomenal seasons. Uh, and you know, will will get their fair share of votes for most improved player. But when you just look at what Siakam's done, I mean, this guy a season ago, uh, you know, didn't have a prayer in making a shot outside the paint. Uh, and and to look at to look at what he's become now, I mean, just watch the tape. I mean, he gets a rebound, can can he can you know operate in transition. He can hit the corner three. He can drive the ball from, you know, the three-point arc uh, and, you know, make make plays off the dribble, not only for himself and for teammates. So he's just kind of morphed into, you know, the total package or is still morphing into the total package. And I think for that reason, he's got to be uh, the favorite to, to win most improved player. Right. He's he's my favorite as well. And obviously we have the same bias as far as Raptors hands. But it's really remarkable the improvement he's made, uh, particularly from beyond the arc. He went from yeah. being a complete liability to a legitimate option out there, and he was, last I checked, shooting 37% from beyond the arc, which is just incredible. And a lot of those shots come in the corner, yes, and a lot of those shots are open, yes. But to make a kind of a greater than a 10% jump in your three-point percentage is oh. truly outstanding. And like you said, the playmaking ability, the ability to create for others has continued to improve as he's gone on. Very rarely do you see a player improve by nine points per game and improve his efficiency. His The level of improvement you've seen from him not only should win most improved player this year, but I think wins it in almost every year there is. Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, a year ago we could have been talking, and, you know, if I were to ask Mike, you know, who do you want taking a corner three, or who do you want taking a three ball? I just said corner specifically because that's where, you know, quite a few of them come, and I mean, Pascal Siakam would have been way down on that list. This year, uh, I mean, once you get by Danny Green, he might be the second person, uh, you know, I want taking a three from the corner. He's still got to work a little bit on the wings and, you know, uh, uh, you know, from dead on, but, you know, you put, you put him in the corner and you give him some space, I mean, he's knocking those down uh, consistently uh, a year after uh, not even wanting to take them. Uh, so it's 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 been a monumental jump for him, and you know uh, he's he's not done by any means. Yeah, a couple other names I wanted to mention along with the ones you said for most improved. One yeah. is one is an interesting one that I saw recently, and that's Paul George. And it's an unconventional case, but to make an improvement from the 12th best player 
to basically being the third best player is a much harder jump than you know jumping nine points at a, as a normal position. And Paul George's improvement has been unbelievable this season. He's been kind of a stealth MVP candidate. I don't think he's quite up there with Harden and Giannis, but I do think he's quite clearly the third option for MVP. So I think he deserves a little bit of credit there. And another one is Nikola Vucevic. Vuce went from never making yeah. an all-star game to really, he's the anchor of that Magic team. And if they make the playoffs, he probably still doesn't beat Pascal in my mind, but he at least deserves a little bit of, you know, he would make my ballot if they make the playoffs at least. No, I would agree. Uh, I, I actually, just because I feel like he deserved a shout out um, when we were talking about MVP, but maybe also most improved, uh, we did, neither one of us mentioned him, was uh, Jokic in Denver. There's a guy who's been absolutely uh, lights out uh, for most of the season. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure where he's going to fall in the MVP discussion. Um, but uh, he's uh, he's another player that uh, is pretty fun to watch most nights. Just his skill set so unique, right, for today's NBA, for today's oh, game. Yeah, absolutely. And he, the Nuggets have experienced a lot of injuries this year, and he's kind of been their one consistent force yeah. throughout who's been the guy who's been – the key cog of that offense and someone they've been able to run the offense through. So that's been really impressive. He would probably be fourth in my MVP ballot if it was to be cast today. So I think you're right. He does deserve some MVP mention. He's been a huge player for them. And honestly, I don't think most improved is out of the question for him either, at least maybe making a couple ballots. Yeah. Like I said, I just, I just wanted, I wanted to get him in the discussion. I felt, uh, I felt like we, uh, we shortchanged him a bit in the, uh, in the MVP uh, in the MVP discussion, one area where he might make is All NBA. I have him mm-hmm. as my first team All NBA center. The question for Raptors fans is where does Kawhi Leonard rank on the All NBA teams? Um, I have him. You know, I'll start with you. Where do you have Kawhi? Well, you know, I, I admittedly I've always kind of considered myself to be pretty terrible at uh, at kind of forecasting where guys fall in the in the All NBA discussion. Uh, you know, I think this is, I have him, you know, on the fringe of first team all NBA. Now that might be totally egregious. It might be based uh, a lot on his reputation versus, you know, how he's actually played. But, you know, to be fair, when he's been on the court this year, he's been absolutely phenomenal, uh, more often than not. So, uh, I see him contending for a first team spot, but I just think there are, uh, you know, too many guys ahead of him who kind of play the same position. We're going to get that honor. So, you know, Kawhi maybe falls to, uh, you know, falls to a second, second all team, I'd say. Uh, I think that would be, I think he'd be deserving of that. What do you think? So all NBA works different than front court for everybody listening. It goes, there's two guards, two forwards in the center. In the center. So it's not three front court, like in the all-star games where you have three different all court front court positions. You can kind of, be a little more flexible. So in the two forward spots for first team all NBA, I think Giannis is pretty clearly in one. And I think Paul George is pretty clearly yeah, the th- other. Those would be the two. Yeah. So those two are ahead of him. Then I also think, and it won't matter in terms of what team he makes. I, I think Durant's having a better season than him as well. He's played more games. He's really carried the Warriors offense. If you look at his on off numbers, when Curry is not on the floor, the Warriors offense really hasn't lost a step. And that's because Durant is kind of carrying that offense and is obviously a more skilled offensive player than Kawhi, even as great as Kawhi is. I don't think many people would argue that. And for me, if Kawhi really wanted to kind of compete with Durant for that 
first, I guess, first segment of all NBA, second team All-NBA, he'd have to be a little bit better defensively than what he's been this season. I, again, I'm not blaming him for taking it easy this season. I think that's totally acceptable considering the circumstances. But if we're doing a regular season award, I just don't think Kawhi's defense is on the par with which it normally is. No, you're not. You're not. Uh, you're not wrong at all. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't disagree with that um, at all. He, I think let me you're bang on. Let me. Uh, let me play a little devil's advocate. Just to be clear, I don't think this case, but let me make the case for LeBron James. <coughs> so I'll make the case. You argue against me here. I'll be arguing on behalf of LeBron. LeBron's offensive numbers are just as impressive, if not more impressive, than Kawhi's this season. If you look at the on-off metrics, his defense has been even better than Kawhi's this season. Um, and all the advanced numbers say that he's having a greater impact on winning. He missed some time with injury, but if you add up his games compared to Kawhi's games, they about average out. Are we sure Kawhi needs it over LeBron? Um, you and know, you know I, he's, he's LeBron James, so I think he does get some benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, it... It, it, the season, this season for LeBron has been uh, a, a variety of things, one of which just just strange. I mean, you know, people thought when he signed with the Lakers, he was going to come in and just, you know, single-handedly uh, transform an organization that, you know, hasn't been able to get out of its way for a few years now. Um, and I think what we saw is, you know, uh, is, is, you know, LeBron, for as great as he is, uh, can only do so much. And, you know, you said it yourself. I mean, his individual numbers are are great. And, you know, I think everyone expected them to be great. Uh, he's, he was hurt a little more than uh, this season than, than in past years. And, you know, I, I just think given how the Lakers season went uh, and, you know, him being uh, just, you know, you can't not talk about the Lakers and, and not talk about James. So I just think everything has kind of added up that, you know, to, to put him on an all NBA first team with everything that transpired this season, just, just seems kind of forced in my opinion, even if the advanced metrics and all the analytics say, you know, he's, he's been uh, as good as he's ever been. Um, I, I just, I think uh, this is a, a situation where uh, maybe you can leave LeBron out of the, out of the discussion. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I'm on the same side. I just wanted to pose that question. It's to me, it's going to be funny to see LeBron on third team, all NBA when, you know, obviously he's still a very great player and they've had their dysfunction this season. But as you touched on, it's just Kawhi has been in a winning situation while LeBron hasn't. And maybe that's unfair and maybe that's not on the individual, but at some level, winning has to matter, and that's why, to me, Kawhi gets that second spot over LeBron for the second-team All-NBA. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny. If you look at the All-NBA teams, the forward position is so loaded, and you're going to have LeBron on third-team All-NBA, and the guard position is so weak, it's going to be manned with, like, Kemba Walker and LeBron James. So to have Kemba Walker being bestowed with the same honor as LeBron this season – is really funny to me. Mm-hmm. But Kemba, I mean, Kemba's played. You know, no, he's gotta, been great. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I mean, trying to follow all the teams, um, I, I just kind of Charlotte's just been lost in the uh, in the shuffle for me. But you know, every single time I catch a game 
or I check out a box score, that guy's just going crazy. He's just so he, I mean, he's having, he's having a heck of a year. I mean, third team all NBA almost, you know, uh, almost makes Walker sound hard done by, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's likely where he's going to end up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty much locked in for him there. Yeah. Uh, exec of the year, probably not the most talked about award, but something that, you know, I at least find interesting. It's funny that we kind of do these execs of the year when really you should be grading an executive three years later. It's almost as if we should kind of give the 2015 award now with the benefit yeah. of hindsight, but we yeah. can't. So what would you – do you think Messiah has a chance to win exec of the year after, you know, landing Kawhi Leonard, getting Marcus All, and adding Jeremy Lin in the buyout market? So, it, I, I mean, is this – is the executive – you just correct me if I'm wrong. Is it ba- supposed to be – uh, is it based solely on like regular season or because the reason why I ask is if the Raptors go on to win an NBA championship, I think you have to give it to Messiah Jiri and Bobby Webster. So to me, or from what I understand, and I'm pretty sure that I have this right, it's from the end of last year's playoffs to last year's off season through this year's regular season. Okay. So then, so then, you know, we're, we're not supposed to take into account playoffs, even though. No, no, you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's from it's the moves you made. So I guess you could take into account playoffs, but it, your moves don't matter. It's just yeah. So it's it's just it's the moves you made. I guess it's just optically, right? I mean, you know, I, I Masai and Bobby made all those moves um, with uh, you know the thinking being we have to be better in the playoffs. So if if all those moves result in the Raptors making their first NBA Finals, and you know, God forbid they win. Uh, I, I definitely think uh, I, I think they win it, uh, Masai and Bobby. If they don't make the finals, uh, I, I don't uh, I don't see them winning it. And then you know, kind of sticking with uh, how we've been uh, how we've been going along here, um, executives who I do think deserve a ton of uh, consideration is John Horse in Milwaukee, uh, Daryl Morey in Houston for as I wrote in my little note here. Control Zing Carmelo Anthony, which is undoing Carmelo Anthony, uh, and also Tim Conley in Denver would be would be my three. Um, you know, I, I, I mean Golden State. Uh, I can't the name uh, the name escapes me of their GM, but you know he's I guess Bob he's Myers. done a good, yeah Bob Myers. Thank you. He's done a uh, I should remember that because I read the I read the book that was written about them Beta Ball. I don't know if you've ever read that book. I don't want to get off on another. Uh, off on a tangent, but uh, if you haven't, I recommend it. It's a great book, Beta Ball. Um, but uh, to finish up, those would be my three: John Horse in Milwaukee, Daryl Morey in Houston, and Tim Conley in Denver. Uh, and then my uh, my comments about Masai and Bobby stand as well. What do you think? Yeah, no, I to me Masai is a favorite, and it will depend a little bit on how Gasol works out of the playoffs and how Lynn works out of the playoffs, but. I mean, just adding Kawhi Leonard, he won the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes. It's it's hard to argue that went anything but positive for Toronto. Even if he leaves, to me, at least you took a shot rather than sticking with the same old thing and losing in the first round of the playoffs or second round of the playoffs this year. So the, to me, the Kawhi trade has already been worth it. When you factor in if Gasol plays well in the playoffs, that's how you win executive of the year, making moves like that and making yeah. risky moves that you kind of saw the end game there. Do so, you so one one quick? Do you think? I mean, may, this might be a, this might be a topic for another another time. But um, do you have any concerns with how 
Gasol has looked uh, and how he's kind of been used uh, since since coming over. Just something, and they've gotten better of late. Of you know, kind of giving him more more time and space to to operate out of the out of the high post. But it still seems like they, uh, you know, Nick Nurse is trying to jam like JV plays. Jonas Valanciunas plays down Gasol's throat. And, I mean, they couldn't be more different in terms of how they play and kind of the positions they need to be put in to succeed. We'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. I'm not concerned yet. It, to me, oh, too we've, early. we've seen improvements. And you're right. The, it does feel like he's being not used optimally. I, I wouldn't say he's being used poorly, but it's not the most – it's not the optimal use of his skill set. And I wish he would stretch out to beyond the arc a little bit more and really space the defense that way, allow Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam to attack the basket a little bit more with him spaced out behind the three-point line. Um, I'm not one of these people who thinks that he really needs to start necessarily to be effective. I know that's a big point on Twitter that Marcus Gasol should be starting. And, hey, congratulations, he will, for the next three games. So big shout-out to everybody there. Um, I don't think – like, I think his playmaking and his passing has been very valuable for the bench. However – I do worry that, you know, things haven't been as smooth as they could be. I'm hoping that's a small sample size, perhaps. I'm too cautiously optimistic right now, but at this point in time, I'm not as concerned. And just as they work more sets in, I think he'll be able to work out of that high post area a little bit more, as you noted. Well, and I, I'm also, in, you know, back to your point about whether he starts or comes off the bench, I'm interested to see how him and Van Vliet uh, can kind of play off one another. No, um, so- Certainly, yeah. I think so, that Fred VanVleet's a perfect pairing for him. He's always had kind of a nice two-man game. It's kind of similar yeah. to Kyle Lowry, where he's able to kind of work off those butt screen handoffs and things like that. So I will be looking forward to Fred's return to the bench. Um, reports today said that he had a late practice with a wrap on and that he could be as back in as few as three games. So you yeah. might see Serge Ibaka and Fred VanVleet both making their return uh, in a couple games here. That would be uh, that would be good to see because uh, yeah, this team seems got to get healthy and at least a few games under their belt with a full roster before the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need you need ten games kind of just as a dress rehearsal to prepare for the big dance, and you can say that the first round maybe is another dress rehearsal and well, a more it, apt one. But I would like to, like you said, just have some time on the court together in a real meaningful setting rather than just practice time. I'm with you there. Well, and it could be a dress rehearsal with uh, with Casey and the Pistons, which would be uh, very interesting. Yeah, well, um, with all the turnover change, he has to be looking at the sideline and kind of wondering who everybody is. He's, I think, <laughs> over half the roster has changed over from last season, so that's really funny. Uh, is there anything that kind of has caught your eye with the Raptors over the past you know, week or two that you've noticed that's either a good sign or a bad sign or Anything that kind of sticks out to you? Um, you know, not really. I think they're uh, kind of suffering from the ebbs and flows that a lot of the you know top teams are kind of suffering from at this time of year. You know, uh, seeding is you know all but decided, and it's just you know it's like all right, let's get the playoffs going. Um, that being said, you know, I, I make that comment with the Golden State Warriors top of mind. Uh, the difference between the Warriors and the Raptors are obvi- is obviously uh, you know one team has has won two straight finals. Um, and, you know, maybe uh, is more well-equipped to uh, flick the switch come playoff time. You know, the Raptors losing some easy ones recently, uh, you know, the most recent one being the one in Cleveland. 
Um, you know, I know they're, you know, all but the number two seed and won't catch Milwaukee, but dropping those games is, uh, is, it just, it just sucks for back, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, but you know, they, they, they've, they've shown signs of uh, improvement from, from three, which I think is their, the biggest concern heading into the playoffs is how this team is going to shoot. Um, so seeing them make, I think, what was it? 21 threes against Miami, uh, was, was encouraging. Um, so just a little more of that kind of heading down the stretch would be, uh, would be, would be good to see for me. But, uh, overall, I'm not, uh, I'm not too concerned about, uh, about the team. No, I'm, I'm not concerned either. Uh, just the past couple games after the loss in Cleveland and then in Miami, they did win that game. They won it convincingly because of the three point shots. But they turned it over a lot, and they gave up mm-hmm. a few offensive rebounds. To me, the team just hasn't looked crisp in a couple weeks. And, you know, it's March. It's mid-March. The seating has been decided. It's really hard to get up for a game like this when you're really just running out the clock for the playoffs. And yeah. we can say, you know, be a professional, show up, all these things. But there's, you know, you can try to trick yourself all you want. You know when yeah. the thing is a real deal and when it's not. So. Exactly. They've been showing up for, you know, 68 games now. They want to they want to go uh you know, they want to get the postseason going. Um the the the, uh, the one other comment that I would add and I'll uh, I'll let you jump in is uh you know, the bench struggles have been uh, a little pronounced. Um you know, obviously Jeremy Lin was with the Van Vliet injury was put in a, a little bit of an unfair position, you know, here welcome to Toronto, run the offense now. Um but he's He's looked tentative. Uh, Powell uh, looked really good um, earlier, and he's since uh, gotten back to, you know, just playing a bit hectic, uh, a bit kind of out of control at times. So, you know, hopefully he can kind of figure it out because, you know, uh, even though rotations tighten up come playoff time, you still need uh, you still need your bench unit to, to to give your starters a blow and you know give give the team some quality minutes and. You know, there's been a few occurrences recently where nurses has had a bench unit out there, and uh, the results haven't been great. Yeah, that that's my biggest concern right now, and more importantly, as you talk to how Gasol is integrating to the team, Lynn hasn't integrated well either. His you know his points per shot attempt is among the worst in the league since coming to the Raptors. He's really struggled to find a shot, and some of it is just law of averages. His three point shot will improve. But some of it is a little bit of forced shots. He's taking more shots in Toronto than he was in Atlanta, which doesn't seem correct to me when you talk about the talent upgrade that he's playing alongside in Toronto. And I've questioned some of Nurse's lineups. Some of these all-bench units just are a terrible idea, and Mm -hmm. I wish we staggered starters a little bit better. But you're right, the the bench play right now is the biggest concern for Toronto Raptors fans, in my opinion. And it's so funny that last year we went from the bench being the strength of the team to now all of a sudden it just feels like we're trying to skate by until we can get the starters back in. Yeah, well, and, and I, you know, in a way, though, that that was so concerning last year with the Raptors is, you know, everyone was talking about, oh, our bench is so good, our bench, sorry, their bench is so good. Um, and, and yet, as good as your bench is in the regular season, playoff basketball is... You know, is I don't want people to jump down my throat, but playoff basketball is about your starters, and you know where where your starters are going to take you. And you know, this season the Raptors starting unit has been superior to their bench, uh, and that you know 
bodes well for the playoffs. That said, uh, they do need their bench to uh, to iron out some things uh, heading into the postseason so that when Nurse does put them out, whether it's a full bench lineup or staggered with some starters, that they're not... Uh, they're not relinquishing leads that the starters have built or they're not, you know, allowing, you know, small deficits to grow into large deficits. Right. I, you're right. The bench is kind of an overrated aspect when you talk about postseason play because you, you can play guys longer minutes because there's no back-to-backs and things no like back-to-back. that. No back-to-back. Yeah, so you can play guys 40 minutes a night and you really only need eight consistent guys to play on a night-in, night-out basis. The problem for Toronto is those eight guys haven't really bore themselves out. No. Um, if the playoffs were today, who would you who would you have in your rotation? Do you keep kind of the full ten man unit that Nurse has been running? I I've been under the impression I don't think Patrick McCall should be in the final playoff rotation team. Oh, perfect! <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because I think he should be. Okay, okay, yeah. No, then I guess I'll have you start. Why should he be in the playoff? Well, you know what I, I, you know, I mean, obviously his, you know, his his shot uh, could could stand to improve, but you know, so could Norman Powell's, uh, and, and so could you know, I mean, I, I, Jeremy Lin, you know, those would be the two guys right now. I mean, Van Vliet's going to be in the rotation, so now you're basically looking, going, okay, you know, Lin, Powell, or McCaw, and I just think McCaw of those three is head and shoulders the uh, the best defender. Um, once again, I haven't looked at, you know, specific numbers, but watching the games, I just, I love how active McCaw is. Um, and, you know, to, to, to quote, uh, Jack Armstrong, uh, who commentates the games up here for Sportsnet, um, there's, you can see the influence of the Golden State Warriors and how Patrick McCaw plays. He plays with, with, you know, a focus, with an understanding. He makes certain plays that you just kind of look at and just go, you know, like that was, like that was an intelligent, that was a smart play. And I think you really see that, that, you know, championship pedigree, uh, that, that he's grown up in and kind of developed in over the years with Golden State. Uh, in certain aspects of his game. So, you know, I, I would, uh, at this point, I would almost be inclined to put McCall ahead of Norm Powell uh, in, a, in a hypothetical playoff rotation. Maybe an unpopular opinion, but it's kind of kind of where I where I stand at this point. So here's a number that worries me for Patrick McCall. 6.4 field goal attempts per 36 minutes. That's the next lowest on the Raptors' active roster is Danny Green, at 10.1. So, I mean, you're talking four less shots per 36 minutes than Danny Green. And Danny Green is at least a three-point threat. I, yeah. I just think when the playoffs come and defenses are able to game plan for you on a night-in, night-out basis, teams are going to put their center on Patrick McCall and just not guard him and put a player like a free safety roaming the middle of the court, and it's just too hard to score that way. And I think you're fine getting by with him on the court right now because teams can't game plan against him specifically. But when teams are able to kind of match up with him on a night in night out basis, I think they're going to take advantage of his inability to kind of do anything on offense. You know, I mean, my, my only thing is my only response to that is, you know, whether it's Patrick McCaw, Norm Powell, or even someone like OG Ananobi, who's, you know, once again, like Van Vliet going to be in the rotation, for the Raptors to do anything in the playoffs, they're going to need guys who historically have struggled to, to consistently make shots. They're going to need uh, one or more of those guys to start making 
consi- shots consistently. And, you know, um, it's, it's kind of the, the lesser of two evils. I mean, neither one has, has really ran away with it, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, whether, whether the Raptors opponent put their center on Patrick McCaw or Norm Powell, both of them are going to be left wide open from three and, and one of them, you know, has to, has to, you know, start making shots consistently. Uh, that's, that's kind of where I stand there. You know, I mean, McCaw is suffering from the same problem that a lot of the Raptors uh, bench players are in that they can't make open shots consistently enough. But to me, Norm Paul is shooting 35% from three on 5.4 field goal attempts per 36. He shoots it at least well enough that you have to guard him. And Patrick, I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily the case for McCall. And to me, that's the big difference is, you know, you just have to be good enough to be guarded. And I don't think McCall reaches that kind of watermark. And I think Norman Powell does. Right on. So, yeah, it will be interesting. I do think that McCall will be that guy that I don't think he makes the consistent playoff rotation. But he's someone that, since you haven't prepared for him, and as I talked about how he's a liability, and once you prepare for that, if he's not in the rotation, you can kind of – throw him in as that energy substitute that the team hasn't prepared for, and you can use him in maybe a game four, and he can steal you 12 good minutes of solid defense on Kyrie Irving as you do other things offensively to kind of hide his liabilities. Totally. I mean, like, I think at the end of the day, you know, once Van Vliet's back, you know, let's assume Norm gets a, gets a shot in the rotation. You know, I think Patrick McCaw uh, moves ahead of, uh, you know, Linsanity. Uh, for example, for playoff consideration, I think if if Lynn continues to struggle the way he has once Van Vliet's back, yeah, I think it'll be tough for uh, for for Lynn to find minutes. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, that's kind of what I'm what I'm inclined to believe at this point, given uh, given the struggles we've seen from from Lynn. If he struggles this badly, yeah, I think you have to. I don't think this team is it's too urgent of a win now situation that you can put your trust in a player who hasn't performed yet. I am still hopeful that the return of Fred VanVleet will ease the burden on Lynn to the point where mm-hmm. you'll see his play improve. But if it doesn't improve during the regular season, you're right. I don't. I to be honest, I wouldn't put either of them in the rotation. I think with Norman Powell, Fred VanVleet, OG, and whichever center is coming off the bench, four is more than enough to come off the bench in a playoff series to me. And I would have both of those guys as you know, kind of change of pace options rather than consistent parts of the rotation. Yeah. I just, I just, I, my, my finishing point on Norm is I love Norm. I just hope Norm is at his best when he's like, when he, when he plays at a certain, just when he plays at a certain speed. It's a cliche, but Norm's at his best when he lets the game come to him. And recently I've just seen him, you know, try and, uh, try and grab the bull by the horns, uh, a, a, a bit too, a bit too much. Uh, and, and when he tries to kind of make something out of nothing, he, he can get himself in trouble, whether that be turnovers, whether that be taking bad shots. Um, and, and, you know, I just I I hope uh, between now and the playoffs, he he kind of settles back into that, you know, groove that we saw um, back when he came back from that in, uh, from his uh, shoulder injury. I believe when he came back from that injury, uh, he was he was next level and he's and he's regressed just a little bit. So. No, that's fair. He he's definitely someone who kind of needs to be reined in and kind of brought back down from his high intensity level. Sometimes it goes from intensity to you know a rushed panic, which is obviously never a yeah. good thing for a Raptors player. 
Yeah, and I, and I think part of that uh, part of that stems from you know when he's out there with Lynn, and you know the 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 burden of offensive creativity lies on Lynn and Powell, and you know those two guys as primary uh, facilitators. I, I I mean Lynn maybe uh, you know if if he had more time and had a better grasp of the offense and more chemistry with everyone, but Powell to me uh, still doesn't possess uh, isn't trustworthy enough. To basically, you know, give him the ball with 18 seconds on the shot clock and go here, create. Uh, he's not there yet, I don't think. No, I'm with you. He's best served in a complimentary role. And Correct. Hopefully with Fred Van Vliet returning back to the lineup, it will stabilize everyone, him and Lynn. So that's something to watch moving forward. We only got 15 more games and it's playoffs, man. Cannot wait. I'm going to be stressed for every single game, but I... Uh, I, I tune in each and every time because uh, I got a good feeling about this year. I really do. I, I, I really do. I think if this team, um, uh, if they peak at the right time, uh, I, I think they can uh, they can make an East Finals. Uh, and then I'm assuming there they play Milwaukee and, you know, away you go. Totally with you. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. No worries, Mike. Take her easy. Talk soon. Cool. All right. Um, I will edit this up. Thank you for coming on, man. Uh, it went well. Yeah, I did it. Cool, man. Love it. Awesome. Sweet. I'll talk to you later, man. Sounds good, dude. Take her easy, eh? Yeah. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.